Welcome to The Road Back to You. Looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram. My name is Ian Cron. And I'm Suzanne Stubiel. And we are glad that you're here. I'm here with my uh, partner in goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Suzanne, it's a beautiful Nashville day outside, but not nearly as beautiful as you look today. Boy, I, I'm so glad I wrote that out for you. I like hearing it. Thanks. Uh, it's <laughs> helpful that I was in quotation marks. Um, we have a really special guest on today, and uh, and we're talking about actually one of my favorite numbers. We think. We're not sure. We're, yeah. we're going to get around to yeah. that. Uh this is uh, our friend, our new friend, Austin Graff. Let me tell you a little bit about Austin. He's got a fascinating history. Austin, did you know you grew up in, in, in Russia and in Washington, D.C.? Well, you know, I grew up in Floydata. You, Floydata, Texas is different than either <laughs> Russia or Washington, D.C. You need to come to Floydata, Austin. Well, I'm sure that it's going to be the first thing on his bucket list. Right, right. right. No, okay. So, um, yeah, so Austin was uh, at uh, the International Justice Mission. He was in charge of social media for the International Justice Mission, building it to about 500,000 fans. Good night. That's what we're trying to get to, and we've only got about six fans right now, but we should hire Austin for that. Uh, then he went on over to Honest Tea, uh, and now is starting at the Washington Post in two weeks, and he's on the line with us right now, he's just left a silent retreat, and guess what he falls right into? Us. Oh, That's dear. quite something. Oh. Any, know, contemplative, any contemplative feelings you have right now, are, are you just need to say goodbye to. Yeah. yeah I hope you journaled, because <laughs> it'll, it'll all be gone in but a moment. <laughs> so welcome, I, I, Austin. I, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm so glad you're here because I'm just going to confess early on, you know, for for the shows when we're um, uh, talking with people who are in churches and all that, I feel kind of like I'm uh, up to par and ready to be in the conversation. But um, I'm uh, mid-60s, so social media is challenging for me, and it's uh, one of the things that you do so well. And so I'm really excited to hear about your perspective on social media and the Enneagram. I um, am guessing that as we talk about numbers, some are more prone toward one kind of social media or another. I'm gathering from my adult children that they've left Facebook because their parents are hanging out there. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to me um, to be... Uh, fraught with uh, gifts and challenges, and I have some that I want to ask you about as we go into the show. And one of the things that's so exciting about talking to you is because you have um, uh, so much integrity that you're being honest about the fact that you're not sure if you're a six with a seven wing or a two. Yeah. Isn't that fascinating? And that's a great thing for us because you know, lots of people, I think, feel like failures if they, you know, they take an online test. And of course, you and I feel ambivalent about those things at best. But uh, that, you know, for, for me, it took me a year before I really landed on my number. And lots of people don't figure out their number. It takes some time, right, to tease it out. It took me a, about 14 seconds. Well, some people are just a little bit more identifiable 
than others. That's and, correct. Yeah. Austin, tell us a little bit about your journey with the Enneagram, how you heard about it, and uh, and again, a little bit about this kind of ambivalence you have about being a, a six or a two. Yeah, totally. Well, thanks again for having me. And I do want to commend you both for being active on Twitter. So, uh, Suzanne, you mentioned you're, you're in your, your 60s, but you are on Twitter. So I respect you for that. And I think you guys both do a good job. And I so do that I'll myself. I do that do my own nice. self. Yeah. Good job. So you should be proud of that. A lot of people don't do that. Ian, do, do, you, do you do yours by yourself? Yes, I do. In fact. Okay. And good, we're neither good. one really suited for 140 characters. No. <laughs> <laughs> we well, both... Okay, okay, okay. Are 140 I'll, characters. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you guys some inside information. They are soon going to um, ex- expand the Twitter account. It will be beyond 140. So you guys <gasps> will be in luck. You can literally write a whole book now in one tweet. Oh, so, no. Because oh, soon, baby. Yeah, well, I'm just telling you right now, Suzanne's going to write Ulysses, and that's not going to be a good thing for anybody. <laughs> I'm so excited <laughs> about that. James Joyce is going to be on Twitter. So again, tell us about awesome. your, 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 your first journey with the Enneagram and, and where, you're, yeah. where you're at with it. Yeah, so I was first introduced to Enneagram right after college at my first job. I know you mentioned I worked for International Justice Mission. And my boss at the time, my very first boss there, and my first boss ever really, took our team through Enneagram. And I was about 22 at the time. And I tested as a two or the helper um, personality type. And But I wasn't fully confident that I was a two. And my boss at the time mentioned that sometimes your personality personality doesn't solidify until you're in your early 30s. And so he encouraged me to wait a few years and retake it again, which I did. And then I tested as a six with a seven wing. So my wife and I go back and forth. I think I'm more of a two and my wife thinks I'm more of a six. I definitely see both of those personalities come out, um, even in my work leading social media. And I, and I think that's okay. And I, I think I'm, I am excited to, to buy your book in the fall and hopefully that will solidify me as a two or a six. But until then, I feel okay with kind of living between the, those two types. You know, one thing I'd like to just say in relationship to those two numbers in social media is that uh, twos are so relational. And so social media suits twos. And sixes are um, more comfortable with other people, and they feel more connected to them if they know some of the details of their lives. It's like sixes are the people who, when they say, what'd you do today? They really want to know what you did Mm -hmm. today. And social media kind of handles that. So I can see how, uh, at least professionally for you, there would be question as to which one it is. But if if the book doesn't do it for you, we'll help you figure it out. Yeah, we'll help you figure it out. We'll do a little private session with you. Who knows, by the time we're done today, we might we, no. we might just, you know, we're not going to tell them what his number is. I know no, that's no. against our ethos, but we might hold our fingers up so no one else can. No, I'm just kidding. We won't, <laughs> we won't do that. I would love that. Yeah. Hey, so let's talk a little bit about sixes because there'll be some folks listening who aren't familiar with the Enneagram as much as, as we are. Uh, sixes are called the loyalists and oftentimes they're called the devil's advocate or the guardian, I've heard too. Or the questioner. Or the questioner. Uh, their need is to feel secure to feel secure. And as we know, whether their deadly sin or their passion is fear. You know, there's some talk from some Enneagram uh, master teachers that maybe half the people in the world are sixes, Hmm. which is, that would, that would be a lot. Ian as a four belongs to the 
strata that is the fewest in the world, um, <laughs> which also helps a lot. <laughs> but one of the things that I, I would ask in relationship to fear is, uh, do you have ways of addressing fear with social media for yourself or for larger groups of people? And I, go ahead. I do. That's, that's a really good question. And I think you can, it's easy to be fearful if you, all you do is, is look at social media because anyone can be anyone they want. They can say anything that they want. And there's so many different opinions out there and so much content out there through social media that it would be very easy to think the world is ending every second of every day um, if you all you do is, is be on social media. So I think I found that definitely plays into my um, type as a six. And I think it is helpful to have kind of community around me and um, Google helps as well. I'll Google things to see if, if to learn what's true and what's not and see what's what's um, around a credible source. But also just having friends be like, hey, like that's not rational. This is. Um, and that kind of helps limit my fears. But it would be very easy. I think social media, the dark side of it can play into people's fears because you can say and be whatever you want on social media. So what would be the high side of social media in relation to sixes and fear? I think... I think two things. One is sixes do kind of live between this world of trusting and then not trusting. I think the plus side of that is oftentimes they can be, they've learned to be more discerning of people. So I think especially in my role as, as a social media manager and leading social media, you have to know who's being genuine on social media and who's not and try to ignore those who aren't being genuine and try to invest in those who are. And I think that's where the six, that, the fact that they live between trusting and not trusting, they could just discern spirits and discern social media profiles. But then also for working for a brand or a nonprofit on social media, it's a very external role. And you are essentially a spokesperson. Like you are the face of that company for so many people that engage with you on social media. So you have to be loyal. You have to be sold on the mission, sold on the product. And, um, and I think because you be you go into it questioning, once you're convinced, you're so loyal, which is why type six is called the loyalist. And you need a loyalist to lead social media for your organization. That's fascinating. It is. And you know what? Uh, but but one of the things I'm thinking of is that sixes typically, at least in professional life, don't like to draw attention to themselves for fear that it's going to actually direct an attack, right? Someone, you know, if you're out front, you know, it's like, well, gosh, you know, you're always, you know, the guy in front of the parade lead, leading the charge is almost always the first one to get dropped first. So how, how did you deal with that if you're a six? Yeah, good question. I think sometimes it's easy to forget that you're out in the front. So you are very much out in the front, but because you are in the many ways hiding behind the internet and a social media profile, it's easy to, to forget. So it's easy to, to forget that a spotlight is on you until someone points out something you did on social media. Because um, it is one of those jobs where you, you fail publicly. Everyone in your organization, everyone that follows you knows when you have a typo or they know when you tweet something or post something you shouldn't have. Um, and it can definitely draw attention to yourself. So in those moments for a six, it's you just want to go into a cave and, and hide forever. Um, but I think it's easy to forget you're on the spotlight just because you feel like you're hiding behind your iPhone or your, your desktop computer. Mm. Wow. Okay, so headed uh, now to your brand new position at the Washington Post. Mm-hmm. What are, and, and you are going to be, what's your title? Yeah, there. So this is where my, my type two will play out. 
where I've wanted to kind of shift careers to use my marketing, branding, and social media experience and skills, but on the people side of business. So I'll be, uh, my official title is talent acquisition and branding specialist. It's a brand new position for the Washington Post. And I am going to learn how to market and brand and do social media on all things people related to the business. So recruiting, um, diversity, company culture. So this is where my, me thinking I'm a type two is going to really play to my advantage. Mm. So listen, there there are a lot of people listening, I bet, right now that are kind of caught between, you know, two, maybe three numbers on the Enneagram. And again, I want to normalize that as part of the journey for people because I, you know, I think people actually think they can fail the Enneagram test, you know, like, oh my gosh, I don't have a personality or I have multiple personalities, you know. Um, let's, so we're not going to actually type you here. Okay. But, but let's just pretend for a second, we were, we were helping this out, right. For, for someone caught in this zone. So I'll just start with a question. You can just maybe respond. What, uh, so three, uh, sort of moodscapes, if you will, in, in scapes, you know, that people feel, uh, maybe that the dominant mood in for you, maybe if you could tell me, do you identify with the, uh, the mood of kind of fear or anxiety or typically, does that sort of run as a kind of a background noise in your life? Or uh, does, um, what's the word I'm looking for, shame run in the background of your life? Or, uh, yeah, shame or fear, hmm. which of those tends or to anger. run? Or anger, but he hasn't, okay, well, all right, we'll yeah, check yeah. that out too. Or anger. anger, fear, or shame. Which, so here's one way we might oh. say it. If just under the surface yeah. in you, is it, is it fear? Is it anger or is it shame? Cool. Good question. I, I love this is becoming a therapy session. Yes, it I'm, is. I'm, enjoy, I'm enjoying this. I would probably say um, at this point in time, probably fear over the other two, but with shame being a close second. Okay. All right. So we'll come back around. We're going to keep asking you questions uh, in and around that as we talk about social media, but that, that's a good start for us. That's a good start for us. So um, if you had a, a group of men and women over 60 and you were going to uh, encourage them to use social media, what would you say? I would say that it's a lot easier than you think. And essentially, I see social media as a relationship because every social media platform was started because of relationships. Facebook was to help people connect and reconnect with people. Same with Twitter, same with Instagram. And a lot of people think it it takes an expert to get on these platforms, but it really is just engaging with people. So if you have any relationship at all in your life, um, whether it's marriage or a best friend or a daughter or son or um, a mentor, mentee relationship, any relationship at all, then you're qualified to be on social media. Because it really is just about connecting with people, which is why I love the Enneagram so much. Is because I think what the Enneagram does is it helps people become more self-aware, which then allows them to help understand how they interact with other people and have empathy for other people. And that leads to connecting and being vulnerable and forming a real relationship. And it's the same way to do social media well. It's the exact same pattern. It's just a normal relationship where you need empathy and vulnerability and self-awareness. All these things that the Enneagram equips people to do. Mm. Well, thank you for advertising the Enneagram. Wow, in that such was great. Positive, <laughs> and, but also, uh, I think, really clear and, and, uh, and accurate terms. So, so can, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say about you know personality and the, and, the, and the Internet and about social media. 
um, you know, whether we're talking about Instagram or we're talking about Twitter or Facebook or any of the other, you know, different channels, um, you know, we hear a lot of conversations about personality curating or personality management uh, in these different uh, spaces. And I'm just curious what your experience has been with it. And maybe if you have some insight from an Enneagram perspective that, you know, people are out there, uh, you know, uh, presenting themselves in, in ways that aren't always true or maybe true. But tell us a little bit about personality management and uh, social media. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I think this is where you it's helpful to be self-aware and, and try to at least figure out which type or types of, of within the Enneagram that you are. Cause I think some types are more image con- conscious mm-hmm. and it may actually play to their vice to be on social media. Um, I, I know a lot of friends who are certain types who have to limit themselves on social media because they either compare themselves or they start to become a little bit prideful because of all the likes they get on social media. And, but not all t- types are going to struggle with that. Um, but I do think there's something for all types to be said that it really is, about vulnerability. And so social media, because it's so new and it is like a relationship, you're going to fail at some point on social media. And and that's okay. And I think that allows you to be more authentic. So I don't think, I think a lot of people equate brand management with being super polished all the time. But just think of the very polished people that you know in real life. It's harder to connect with them because they seem so perfect. And when when we all know that no one is, and so social media allows us to fail and fail publicly, but also it allows us to accept grace publicly and extend grace publicly to, to other people when used well. So I think you should think of your brand, but I don't think you need to be super polished on social media. I think it, it gives you the liberty to be vulnerable. And for some types, that's really that will take a little bit more courage than other types, whereas other types, they champion that and that's why they love social media Mm. great that was a great answer yeah so one of our questions that uh we receive a lot is uh so what's wrong with the enneagram it it, you talk they say people say to us you talk a lot about how helpful it is so what's dangerous about the enneagram and our answer is consistently that um it, it's not an end-all, be-all. It's one tool. It's just one part of a whole toolbox of things that you use to make your way in the world and to try to be a better human being. So what are the dangers of social media? Um, not the obvious ones, because, you know, we, we're in a cultural conversation about the obvious dangers. But from the inside, what do you see as dangerous about social media? Yeah, I think it is. And I think the conversation is starting to, to, to pick up around this, but it does, it's so easy to hide behind social media. It's so easy to be someone that's just not reality. And I think psychologically that it's just very unhealthy um, for you to have to kind of a double life. It allows you to live a double life where your friends know you as one thing, but online your friends there see you as somewhere, so, something else. I'm not, I'm not talking drastically like you, are different genders in real life versus on social media. I'm talking about more subtle things where it's easy to present a perfect life on social media because everyone highlights, especially on Instagram, all the really fun things you do, whereas your day-to-day life is may not be as fun, and that's okay. And so one of the campaigns that we worked on when I was with Honest Tea was called Hashtag Refreshingly Honest Project. 
And it was inspiring people to celebrate the everyday mundaneness and beauty of life by posting that stuff on social media. So versus me, I think it's an easy temptation for me to post a beautiful photo while I was on the silent retreat of some Bible verse that I, that I read that was so meaningful. But what if I, but my everyday life, actually, it looks like me sitting behind a computer or my iPhone, and that's not super exciting, but there's actually beauty um, within that as well. And so I think that's one of the dangers is you can, you one, feel like you need to present a perfect picture to people, but then that also makes people feel less than and not whole and not worthy. And I don't like what that does to communities and to people because they have self-esteem issues. And I think social media um, sadly plays into those. Mm, That's good. So tell me this, what do you think we've lost um, to social media? I think, and I think we can reclaim this, but I think we have lost kind of intentionality and, and being okay with, with the vulnerable and the imperfect and being okay with the journey of things, which is very much the, the Enneagram. Like, like I'm the case of it. I'm stuck between these two types, but that's a journey for me. And maybe in five years, I will be more confident that, you know what? I am a type two, but maybe that could change 10 years from now. It's all about the journey and that's okay. And the journey is messy. And I think we've lost that on social media where it's, it doesn't seem, oh, people don't have the permission to journey and to, and to fail and to figure things out because they feel like the pressure to present this perfect place that they've already arrived when that's just not reality. Mm. But, but I do think we can reclaim that. I think that's kind of our jobs is, is with anything, there's a dark side and there's a positive side. And the more that people are celebrating grace and the journey on social media allows and gives permission to others to do the same. So uh, that's what I would like to see social media do in the next few years. So these are, these are very, um, you know, different numbers. Twos and sixes are, are pretty different. And uh, so I want to ask you um, if you could v- personally vote on which number you would like more like to be a two or a six, which would it be? Ooh, I would say probably two. And that's where sometimes I struggle with Enneagram because sometimes some types seem a little bit more positive than others, uh-huh. which I know that that's not the case, but I would like to think I'm more of a two because their tagline is the helper. Right. And it's all about, they're very people, people, um, they just celebrate relationships and are all about connecting and being vulnerable. Whereas the loyalist is also a positive trait. But as I was reading through my profile, it often talks about being distrusting and asking the hard questions, which sometimes in our culture can be a negative thing. So I would like to think I'm a two. My wife thinks I'm a six, and usually she's right, so I might be a six. What, what number is your wife? I'm just curious. I think she's a three. Okay. All right. So, Suzanne, can I ask you a question to help our new friend? Sure. Uh, if you had to ask, you know, you only had one question to ask someone to find out if they were a two or not, what question would you ask them, being a two yourself? I would ask, just one, can I have two? Uh, well, that, there's another indication that we got a two in the room. Yes, continue. Okay. So the first question I would ask is, um, do you know what you need? Like if somebody says to you, I can tell that you're not okay in this moment, what do you need? What are you feeling and what do you need? Do you know the answer? I do, yeah. I can always pinpoint what I'm feeling, but I always need affirmation and, and, to, and to be loved. 
Oh my gosh, this is going to be difficult. This is going to be a hard one. <laughs> you just answered both answers at the same time. Yeah, no those, wonder you're ambivalent. Yeah, that's six and two right that's there. That's six and two right there. Maybe he's a 62. He's a new number. There's 10 numbers. So here, here's the other thing. You know, we, we haven't gone too deeply into this on our show yet, but there are three numbers that are thinking repressed and three numbers that are doing repressed and three numbers that are feeling repressed. And... Um, ones and twos and sixes are thinking repressed. And of course, that's offensive to ones and twos and sixes because they believe they think all the time and all that, and they do. But sixes think about what could go wrong. Mm -hmm. And twos thinking is 90% of the time about relationships. Hmm. So I think yeah. all the time, but I'm always thinking about relationships. Huh, same. Yeah. For me, for me as well, everything that I do, even my job, like I love working, but it's more about the relationships that I get to have in the workplace that really energize me, that make me want to go to work. Um, but I also, I think also a little bit based on my environment growing up in Russia, where just culturally it can be a little bit more pessimistic. Uh -huh. I can often think of, think of what's going wrong, but to be honest, what overshadows that like 90% of the time I'm thinking about relationships and mm -hmm. how positive they are. Or if there is like even like a little bit of a wedge with a relationship, it, it becomes all consuming. That's what I'm most nervous about because it's all about relationships for me. Okay, so now it's getting interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you, what you're pointing to, possibly, we're not telling you which number, but possibly, right? Can we talk about possibilities? Sure, we, we can. We can talk about possibly. We can talk about, we can speculate here. Uh, let's say we were talking about Austin, but we're not really, right? Right, okay, so. So let's um, pretend we've hung up with Austin, and here's what I would say. No, I want to go first. I'm the okay, go. Can I go? Okay. So the this is where you have to be a little bit of an investigator, right? I mean, not you know, I yeah. mean in terms of like you have to go, okay, so this 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 great guy grew up in Russia, right? He's in this cultural milieu in which I've been to Russia, by the way, Austin. I know what you're saying. There's in addition to actually kind of having a menacing feel in the air, there is always this feeling of like looking over your shoulder, like uh it's a little you know, there's a little, I don't know, it's in the air, right? It's in the water. So, I, mm -hmm. so you know, you've got that, um, you got that in the mix, right? And so it can create for you, as you think about trying to figure out your number, uh, taking into consideration things like, well, what, what kind of family environment did I grow up in that might persuade me to think I'm X when maybe I'm Y? Uh, and that's part of the journey, right? Yeah, I, I think this, the reason that we don't ever want to uh, tell anybody else what their number is, is because we don't want to rob them of the journey. Mm -hmm. Because, and, and you spoke to this earlier, what you learn on the journey to knowing yourself is just a gift for you. Mm -hmm. It's for you. Mm -hmm. And for people who have some pushback about the Enneagram, I think one of the things I would say is, you know, the journey can't hurt you. It's, it's. It can't hurt you. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I I think this. I think I'd love to spend some time with you going through random tweets and Facebook posts and asking you if there's a reflection of Enneagram numbers in those tweets and in those uh, mm -hmm. posts and uh, in the photographs on Instagram because I <laughs> suspect that some numbers are prone toward uh, one medium and others toward another. 
I um, am a little worried that we're leaving some people behind. I'm a little worried that social media helps us move so quickly that we begin to not see people who aren't moving as fast as we are. Do you think that's a valid concern? Yes, I definitely think that's a valid concern. Because like we discussed, there's certain types that are going to be more eager to jump in right from the get-go, no matter what the platform is, and others are going to be a little bit more hesitant. And we need all types to make this world a good place. So I, I am concerned we're leaving people behind. Um, in terms of, you know, you've got some familiarity with the Enneagram. Can you tell me, um, in, in your mind, for what number or what numbers do you think the the world of social media poses the greatest kind of threat or the most temptations, you know, uh, toward, you know, not being a really great place for them? Yeah, good question. I think, yeah, I think any type that is going to be tempted to be all all about projecting an, an image, mm -hmm. that or potentially the achiever type where it's all about like, what can I get from this? What can I get from this? And go, 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 go and achieving, achieving, achieving. And sometimes it's, it's easy to, to forget that it's really about connecting with people. And that's what social media is about versus achieving some great thing. Um, so I can see the, that type being struggling with it a little bit more. I do think that the types like the helper that are more people focused that social media is a benefit for them because it's another platform, another arena to engage with people and have more relationships. Would you be willing to, to school me on branding? Like, would you just say, uh, teach me a couple of paragraphs about branding and what that means and, and how you go about it and um, how you think it relates to the Enneagram? Yeah, I would, I would love that. And social media is a huge part of that because that is that's what people see you as. And so I'm sure even you both have people who you've never met who follow you on social media who think they know you, but do they really know you? And that's, that's all about branding. Are you consistent um, with, with the great people that I just met um, on this podcast versus who you are on, on Twitter? So I would love to talk about that. And I love your idea of, of taking, it'd be interesting to see if we could take any social media profile and based on their tweets and what they post, if, if we could guess what type they are and what accuracy we could guess what type they are, that would be a fun project. I think it would be a good one because um, I, I would say that we spend our days teaching people who they're not. You know, we, we teach about personality and not about who you are underneath all of that. And I, I have a concern that social media, and you've kind of, we, we've sort of danced around it, but I want to say it. I have a concern that social media in, uh, enhances or enables or makes our personalities bigger and perhaps gets us farther and farther and farther away from our center that we would encounter on a silent retreat. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, so let's talk about the silent retreat for a second. Yeah, let's do. Let's talk about... Um, what was, because this is getting back toward if we were trying to help some anonymous person figure out what their numbers, because I think it is just fascinating for people who are struggling. Like, how would I, what's the kind of the decision tree I might move through? Or just give me an example of like, what would you go through to find out what my, my number is? So can you tell me what your experience was on the, what was the best part of it? And what was the hardest part of your time on retreat? 
Yeah, I think my hardest part is always feeling like I need to be productive during the whole time that I'm on this silent retreat. But because there's not people involved, usually, um, I can easily get distracted. So for me, I had to put away my phone and put it in a different room and go out into the forest without any technology. And um, I was okay for about three minutes. And then I started, <laughs> then I started to be like, oh, I, I need to talk to someone. I, I need to like look on Twitter. And, um, and then just the pressure of trying to be productive. But my favorite part was during the silent retreat is with a friend who is a priest and, and pastor here in the DC area who've, who's walked with IJM and many nonprofits, an amazing man. He offers what's called a spiritual direction session mm-hmm. where he just essentially talks to you and listens and prays and gives some guidance. That was my favorite part of the silent retreat because it wasn't silent. There you go. Okay, so <laughs> I think you need to have your wife call us. <laughs> yeah. She's losing. She's losing big, boy. <laughs> so, oh, she's losing some altitude here, boy. So let me tell you, Austin, about uh, I'm married to a pastor who's a former Catholic priest. And um, we go on retreat every year, and usually uh, somebody plans the retreat for us. But one year, when we still had kids in college, Joe planned our retreat. And uh, we went to our kids went to college in the Ozarks in Arkansas. Three of them did. And we went to see one of them, and then we drive up to this wonderful cabin in the mountains where there's nobody around anywhere. And we go in and unload the groceries and all that. And I say to Joe, well, what do you have planned for the retreat? And he says, well, we're going to do a silent retreat. And it sucked the air out of the room for me. (laughs) And uh, I said, how silent? (laughs) And he said, totally silent. So the morning of day three, so we get there in the evening, and I've done one silent day. In the morning of day three, I write on the bathroom mirror in lipstick, please talk to me. And Joe writes in a different color lipstick, No. (laughs) And then in the next day, I started um, doubting all of my relationships. It's like I doubted whether or not uh, people love me and whether or not they want to be, whether they want to hear from me and whether people are going to want to hear me teach. And it, it, it took from me, the silence took from me the ability to touch base with people and find out if they would touch back. And I, I don't know if that would be true for a six. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. And I definitely resonate with what you just said. Often on a silent retreat, once I do get my phone, I text about 35 people, either like an encouragement or see what they're up to. So I definitely need, I'll feel out of, out of touch with them. So maybe I am a two. Here's how I think you might find out. Henry Nowen was a self-identified two on the Enneagram. And if you read his journals, so read Genesee Diary and The Road to Daybreak and Gracias, um, and there's another one. If you read those journals, you'll know that you are or that you aren't. Yeah, I uh, actually, I've been, yeah, it's just so funny because while you guys were talking, I hate to say this, Austin, but I was looking at your Twitter feed and your Facebook. (laughs) Oh, he's over here on the phone checking you out. And now I'm just going to tell you right now, 
you definitely need to have your wife call me. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. You know what? This will be the first time in our marriage that I am right. So yeah. I'm going to have... Oh, you be all over this. Listen, you, I just want you to... After your upphones, you, you can just put the song Oh Happy Day on repeat over and over and <laughs> over again because it's going to be a very, very fine day uh, for you. But it's interesting. <laughs> uh, the, so twos, threes, and fours are all in the image conscious... Uh, the, the three most image conscious numbers on the on the Enneagram, but for, for different reasons. Um, uh, but but also for some similar reasons. One being, of course, that um, we, we're all three concerned about identity. Do we have identity? Uh, concerns, uh, and, and we use three different strategies, right, for getting a sense of, of identity. Uh, and so part of our journey is learning that we have one. You know, we don't need to get it from the outside using our little, our little games. So I want to ask you a question, presuming, let's just pretend for a minute you're a two, because we, we don't want to tell you that. Uh, but, um, and Suzanne, don't hold up your, your two fingers like that. That's wrong. Um, so uh, I would wonder this. When you were on retreat, let's say you couldn't get to that phone and you, you really were just stuck with you and you and all the there was no one there to mirror you or to tell you that they appreciated you. And there was no, none of that stuff. I'm just curious, what, what kind of feeling do you think you would have to start feeling once all the games of your personality began to drop away? Like what's right under the surface? What's a feeling that you know probably is there, but you just don't want to feel? Cool. Man, maybe I'll, I'll get very serious. Maybe a feeling of being unlovable or unloved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, that's typical to our whole triad for twos, threes, and fours. Yeah. So I want to ask you one last question. Um, I've heard a couple of NPR stories that suggest that social media is costing us uh, our ability to empathize. Do you think that's true? And if so, uh, what do you think the solution is? Yeah, I definitely think that is true. Um, because one, there's so many voices out there and when it's just sound bites, it's hard to know all the details. So I think it is harder for people to, to empathize and it causes a lot of jealousy in people people's lives. So it's it, 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 what it does is it dehumanizes people and it makes them feel so distant and it, then it's hard to connect and empathize with, with them. So I definitely think social media does that. The solution, I think, is to to reach out, to reach out offline. If you see something on social media, try to read between the lines, um, try to, to use intuition to see what's really going on, and then reach out in person to show empathy. Because um, I think empathy will always be hard to, to show that on social media. Um, because it's digital, it's distant, um, it's just harder to do. Mm. So I so is there anything you want to say? Anything you want to talk about before we have to say goodbye and ask you if we can talk to you again sometime? Well, this, this has been helpful. I just want to thank um, the both of you. I definitely will read your book this fall to, to solidify that I am a two, and I will try not to rub that in my beautiful wife's face. Um, <laughs> we will, right as soon as we're right. done, if you, if you, uh, well, as soon as we're done, we're going to get your email. We'll send you even an advanced PDF. How's yeah. that? We'll get you the real uh, book when it comes out, but we'll send you we'll a send PDF, you a PDF of it right too. away. Thank you. My wife and I will, will read it together. 
So, but I just want to thank you for, for having me on. And I do think it's, again, social media is about connecting with people and the Enneagram helps people um, do that with others by being self-aware, but that, then also learning how to empathize with other people. So I think it's a good marriage, the Enneagram and social media. And I love how both of you are on social media and you're talking about the Enneagram. So definitely keep it up. We're oh, going to do it. I, I want to close with a story. I heard a story last night that's just right for right now. Um, I'm staying with some people who are near my age, and um, the husband's father died in the last six or eight months. And they asked people to send in stories about his dad. And one of the stories that came in was from a woman who 30 years ago was with his dad in the backyard of their home, and there were honeybees that were all around the edge of a birdbath drinking water from this uh, pool. And uh, my friend's dad said to this woman who wrote in, did you know that if a honeybee is drinking water, you can pet them? And she said, no, you can't. And he said, yeah, you can. And my friend's dad went over and was able to literally pet the back of a honeybee. And her question was, who, who, what kind of person does that? What kind of person bet pets a honeybee. And the, the dad's answer was the kind of person who is willing to risk a sting to make a connection. And so for people who are afraid to use social media for whatever reason, because they don't know if they can say it right or if it's smart enough or important enough, I would say that that is how people my age are going to be able to communicate with their grandchildren. So you need to risk the sting so you can connect. Thanks, Austin, so much. Well said. Thank you so much. Bye, Austin. Thanks again. You've been listening to The Road Back to You, looking at life through the lens of the Enneagram, produced by Jim Chafee, and our engineer is Brad Bass. Our theme music is provided by the band Waterdeep from their album Moment, written by Lori Chaffer. Please visit our website, www.theroadbacktoyou.com for news, more podcasts, and a list of our public appearances around the country. And you can order our book, The Road Back to You, an Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. You don't want to miss our show next week. Our friend Michael Cusick is going to be with us. He's a two. He lives in Colorado. He's a psychotherapist and an author. And he's one of the kindest, smartest, greatest guys we know. 